One of my favorite magazines to pick up each year is the Time 100, most influential people in the world. When you look at that list and you look at those people, it's so funny. Most of them I've never heard of. And most of them I don't see on Twitter. Some, but but most, they're doing stuff. They've put their feet to the pavement to make a difference in the world. And that that's that's what I'm challenged to do more than ever. Welcome to the Live Lead Last podcast, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode. I'm James Duvall, and I'm here with Lisa, my beautiful wife and co-host. Hey, friends. Hope you guys stayed warm this past weekend because we here in sunny South Florida were in an Arctic blast. Yes, It was are. below 60 for over three minutes. Maybe a day. It was, but I had scarves out, boots out. Everyone's sporting their winter wonder. You know they say when you live in Florida, your blood thins, and these are the days you realize that we're just not made for cold weather. Right. You should research that, James. We want to remind you to text the word LIVE, L-I-V-E, to the number 22454 to get new episodes, show notes, bonus content, and exclusive offers delivered directly into your inbox each week. You will receive a text response with a short form to enter your first name and email address, and that's it. You'll be set. Yeah, it's super easy, and we hope that you'll take advantage of that opportunity. Lisa, before we go any farther, I think it would be a good time to offer another installment of It's a Beautiful Day Today. Perfect. I think you make these up, but we're going to trust you. No, they're they're real holidays. Okay. So each week we're taking the mystery out of some of our treasured days like International Monkey Day or National Rubber Ducky Day and one of my favorites, Bean Day. But I hear that's really stinky. Oh my goodness. That is the worst bad dad joke ever. Ever. I, I had to go there though. Well, it's a beautiful day today because it's Winnie the Pooh Day. That's a good day. That is a good day. The day was created to celebrate the birth of the author of Winnie the Pooh, A.A. A. Milne, who was born in 1882. He created Winnie the Pooh and his friends, Christopher Robin, Tigger, Eeyore. My favorite. Yeah, sometimes you I'm, actually identify there. Sometimes yes, right? yeah. Piglet and Rue. If you have little ones, it may be a great day to celebrate by reading some storybooks about the adventures of Winnie the Pooh and his friends. Yeah. Or if you have an adult that likes Winnie the Pooh, just read it to each other. That, that could be. be weird, right? That is weird. Yeah, okay. It's also Thesaurus Day that celebrates the birthday of the author of the Thesaurus, Peter Rogier, who was born on this day in 1779. And Lisa, that's why today it's a beautiful day. That is great. But I would love for you to say Thesaurus five times quickly. It's pretty hard. It's a tongue it twister. Is. <laughs> it is. Today is also an important day as we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King and the impact he had on our country. He was catalytic in advancing civil rights through nonviolence and civil disobedience. Dr. King's famous I Have a Dream speech continues to challenge us and inspire us. We have not fully realized the dream, but we believe that it will happen. James, this past week, you had an amazing conversation with Ryan Leak. Ryan is a speaker, executive coach, podcaster, and author. He is the CEO of the Ryan Lee Group, which is a leadership development firm. He and his wife, Amanda, and two kids live in Dallas, Texas. I love Texas. I know one of the topics that you discussed is Dr. King's impact on him, specifically as a father, husband, and leader. Yeah, we had a great time talking about that and some of Ryan's ultimate risks, which are really interesting. Well, let's get into it. 
Well, Ryan, welcome to the podcast. I've really been looking forward to this. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on the podcast today. This is a real privilege for us. Oh, dude, I'm honored to be on here, man. I've, I've been a fan of your podcast and your life and your leadership and love what you and your wife have been doing with this, man. I believe it's helping a lot of people. And so, man, I'm just honored to be here today. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And we've had the privilege of getting to know each other over the last few years through mutual friends and you speaking at our church and being at some different events together. It's just been awesome to watch your leadership journey and learn more about you. So I'm pumped about our listeners getting to know you and your story. Your story is pretty amazing. I remember when I was first introduced to you, I was like really intrigued because it's things you don't normally hear from people's lives. You're actually been referred to as an ultimate risk taker. And uh-huh. <laughs> And and on your website, you actually have two documentaries telling the story of two of your big risks. So for those listeners who aren't as familiar with you as I am, I would love for you to talk about a couple of those things. The first one that was really intriguing to us was that you actually proposed to your wife and married her on the same day. Tell us about that. How did that all come to be? And obviously there's more backstory than just pop the question and and get married, right? Sure. We started dating in 2008 and pretty quickly knew that we were going to get married, but we took our time in, in doing that. And she was in school and probably her junior year, I overheard her tell a friend that she thought it would be cool to get engaged and married on the same day. And I was like, what in the world does that mean? And so from there, I just started planning a wedding and didn't know where it was going to go. My real thought while planning the wedding was if this fails, she'll never know. (laughs) If I just propose like a regular guy and it doesn't pan out, then okay, that's not the worst thing in the world. I kind of felt like I didn't have anything to lose. It was like, well, she could say no, but I knew she wouldn't, you know? like yeah, you it, had it, a little confidence going into it that she yeah, was going to say yes. I mean, yes. the day we got engaged and married on the same day was the five-year mark from our first date. So she was definitely anticipating a proposal. She was not anticipating a wedding. Yeah, so for two years, man, lots of planning here there half the time didn't think I'd be able to pull it off. So how did you do that though? Because usually like the wedding day is like the bride's day. I mean, that's, Oh, it was, I mean, (laughs) I mean the wedding dress and the cake, how did you get everything she wanted in the wedding without her knowing? I've been asked this question at least a hundred times, Okay, but having been married now, like eight, nine years, I'm starting to forget. Like, I'm like, I don't, (laughs) what was I doing for two years? You know, it's like, two kids later and, you know, completely different life. I remember being in a lot of weddings. Like, I think I was in like 13 weddings in that season. Wow. I remember after each wedding, if Amanda had accompanied me to that wedding as my girlfriend, I remember like asking her questions and taking notes. I basically just asked her every date night one little question, what she would want. And I had a couple of spies in the land that would help me as well. I actually had an owner of a bridal shop that needed a model. Ah, okay. So Amanda actually like modeled a bunch of wedding dresses. Quote, unquote, modeled. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So she did a bunch of recon work on that. But yeah, I actually had the dress like six months before. And she technically picked it out. So the day of you, you get down on your knee, you propose, and then it's like, yeah. you just like, ta-da, all your family and everybody shows up, or were they in another room, or? Yeah, I said, will you marry me? She said, yes. I said, will you marry me today? 
And she was like, what are you talking about? And I opened up this lounge room door and a hundred of our family and friends were standing in there with a sign that said today. It happened so fast. So what most people don't know. So like if you go and watch the surprise wedding on YouTube, you know, it's got over a million views. A lot of people know that story, but most people don't realize that the wedding I technically planned for that day technically got canceled by one of the largest storms Hollywood, Florida has ever experienced. Oh, really? It was an outdoor wedding. And the lounge that was next to this outdoor wedding was where the reception was supposed to be. That wedding never happened. There were there were Maseratis underwater. It flooded until, by the grace of God, we, you know, we were at a pretty nice hotel. We were at the Western Diplomat in, in Hollywood, Florida, and they were able to accommodate and move us around. So what you actually see isn't technically what I planned. Now, obviously, the, the dress, the outfits, the bridesmaids, the people, the food, all of that remain the same, but it, it was technically supposed to be this beautiful outdoor wedding, but man, it just, it just worked out. You planned for everything except the weather. Well, <laughs> you know, th that's, that's the funny thing. It's such a deep, long story of like back and forth. I flew all over the country, San Diego, Chicago, meeting with family members, swearing them to silence. <laughs> it was a crazy, crazy ordeal, man. That's amazing. That's not the only ordeal you've done something crazy on you actually tried out for not just one but multiple NBA basketball teams right nope it was it was just one it was just one okay it was just one so as a part of the surprise wedding we got to go on good morning America the today show and the Queen Latifah show on the Queen Latifah show Queen Latifah asked my wife if she thought that she could surprise me the same way I surprised her oh wow and so what ended up happening is my wife says, yeah, I think I can. And on the screen of the back of the studio is Kobe Bryant. And I peed on Queen Latifah's couch. I said, this is crazy. <laughs> what in the world? And he says, hey, Ryan. And I start breaking down, hey, Ryan, like it's a Bible verse. Okay, I'm like, he said, hey, Ryan. Hey, is a term Americans use when they see their friends. Ryan, that's me. Me and Kobe must be friends. Like, I'm like, Ryan, what is wrong with you? You know, this is literally in my mind. So he invites me to a, a Lakers game. He says, hey, come anytime. So yeah. I had a couple months to prepare to meet Kobe Bryant. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, I've always wanted to be in the NBA. It's now or never. Like, I at least need to be in basketball shape. Like, what if I get to play him? What if I, like, I don't know what hangout means at Staples Center but I know I need to be ready to hoop. So, man, I, I started getting in really great shape. You know, I played college ball. I was an All-American in the NCCAA, which is the National Christian College Association of Athletes. So Different it's not level. NCAA, but, it's, but you're, you could still hoop. Yeah, basically, of all of the Christians, I was really good, you know? <laughs> um, so I just started getting in as best shape as I could to be ready for an opportunity. And I quickly realized playing against some pros that I was going to fail. And then that just, that discouraged me at one point. And then I thought, man, why are we all so afraid of failure? I think we should be running towards this thing, not away from it. Every successful person you and I look up to, 
follow, admire, read about. The one thing they have in common is failure. And, yeah. and I said, then why why are we all afraid of the thing that made the people we love the most who they are? When I met Kobe, I told him, I said, hey, I'm doing a documentary. It's called Chasing Failure. Going to ask a lot of people, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And I'm going to go for it. And he's like, go for what? So I'm going to be in the NBA. He's like, yeah, do it. And I went, oh, <laughs> You weren't supposed to say that. You're supposed to laugh. You're supposed to say, good luck, kid. You're supposed to, I don't know what he's supposed to say, but I got a, a response I was not prepared for. He said, hey, when you're done with it, make sure you send me that documentary. It's kind of funny. I have a few NBA friends. The way that they talk is so normal, but they don't often realize they're not normal. They just say stuff like that. Hey, 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 hey send, send me that video. Hey, send me a link of you preaching. And, and it's like, I don't have your phone number. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go through your publicist and everybody else. It's not the same. Yeah. So I'm like, Kobe, what do you mean send you my documentary? Like, and, and I'm going, is this the, like, am I supposed to ask you for your phone number? Am I supposed to, like, I'll just email John, the publicist? Do <laughs> I, you know, but it, it, it happens all the time. I sent some books to a friend of mine in, in the league the other day and I sent it to the stadium. He's like, yeah, let me know. Let me know what you need for the books. Like, like Venmo, like we, you going to cash at me? <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean? You know, you don't always know where to go with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally it's makes like, sense. So, so when he said that, I'm like, okay, so now Kobe is expecting me to send him a documentary. On what he's expecting me to do exactly what I said I was going to do. The only problem is when you tell an NBA player that you're going to trial for an NBA team, you actually need to figure out a way to do that without an agent or going to Duke. And so <laughs> I had no idea how to do that. So I just Googled it. And man, I, I all I could find was the email addresses for every public relations director or VP for NBA teams. It's a media press website. And dude, I just started hitting up NBA teams. So some people think I tried out for multiple teams. But I simply reached out to multiple teams to say, hey, let me work out for your team. I'm chasing failure. I probably won't make the roster, but there's only one way for you and I to find out. And that's for you to let me try. And I probably emailed five, six teams. The first team was the Boston Celtics. Shoot high, you know, you got to go for the, the legacy there, right? Well, you know, you know what I did? This is my strategy. This is kind of funny. My strategy was let me start at the time. Okay. So this was, this is 2014, 2015. Okay. okay. So my strategy then was I want to go with non-playoff teams because you can't start with the really good teams. Like, why would they do that? You know, I, I wanted to go with like the Cavaliers at the time, you know, and, and the Celtics actually were they weren't that great then, were they? They weren't that great yeah. in 2014, 2015. And so I was like, well, let me let me start with the 14 non-playoff teams and, and we'll kind of go from there. I started with the Celtics. The Celtics wrote back and said, hey, man, we, we this is a great idea. It's just, it's just not for us. Right. Man, best of luck in your endeavors. And I thought, oh, okay. And I was like, man, this isn't going to work. And then I thought, wait a second. Did the Boston Celtics just email me back? Like, <laughs> this is amazing. You know, this is incredible. Yeah. And then I, I started getting more confident. Like failure gave me more like, man, all they said was no. Like that wasn't bad. I thought it was illegal to email NBA teams, but it's not. It's free and- All man, they can say is no, right? Or not write yeah, you back. All they, all they could say is no. 
man, I just thought, man, one team down 29 to go. I'm going to make a documentary about being told no by all 30 NBA teams. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> on my fifth email to the Phoenix Suns, they said, we love this idea. Can you come on Monday? And I was wow. like, what? She's like, yeah, bring your camera crew. I'm like, camera crew? I ain't got no camera. <laughs> yeah, 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 camera crew. Yeah, we'll be there. You know, so now I'm like going to the church, asking my buddy Chuck. I'm like, hey, I know this is a long story, but man, just don't ask a lot of questions. <laughs> like, we got to go to Phoenix, film some stuff. It's going to be fun. He's like, what are we going to do in Phoenix? I said, I don't even think you'd believe me if I told you. We trying out for the Phoenix Sun. He's like, what are we really doing in Phoenix? You know, it's like, <laughs> are we going to preach somewhere? Are we going to, you know, and I'm like, no, nah, man. So yeah, so that that's the second documentary. I got a, a two-day workout with the Phoenix Suns, opportunity of a lifetime, and uh, spoiler alert, I, I failed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, ever since then, my life has never been the same. Yeah. Did you ever send the documentary back to Kobe? You know, I did, you know. Timing is everything. So I'm, I met Kobe in February of 2014. Okay. I did the tryout with the Suns September of 2014. Okay. And, and here's sort of a, a lesson on failure. Okay. I failed in Phoenix in September of 2014, but I was so embarrassed. I didn't want to tell anybody. Oh, wow. It took me a year and a half to get over it. Wow. It took me a year and a half to go, oh, wait, that was a good thing. So I, I didn't have a complete documentary until a year and a half after I actually did the workout two years after I actually met Kobe. And then by the time I had something finished, that was his retirement year. Okay. But he was in Kobe tour mode. I probably took too long. That's interesting. It's a great lesson. But man, that that was, I, I just wrestled with so much. My buddy, Nick Nelson from Lakewood Church, he, he said this to me the other day. He said, people admire perfection, but they can't relate to it. I think I wanted to look perfect and this story wasn't. And it, it makes me look bad. I'm missing shots. I can't keep up. They're bigger than me. They're faster than me. And I thought if people see this, and I think we all do this a little bit. We kind of over-exaggerate our story in our mind of how we look, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Watching it now, obviously I'm not in the shape that the rest of the guys are in, just like physically, obviously they're bigger than me. Yeah. But like, I didn't do anything bad, if that makes sense. No one stole the ball from me. No one blocked my shot. I got scored on, but like, who doesn't? It's yeah. the NBA. You know what I mean? Like, it, so it- You fit, you just, it was just a different level. Yes. Yeah. I fit in, but I did not stand out. And that's what NBA players do. They they stand out. You put them on a regular court and the guy at the end of the bench, you would go, wow. But that failure actually opened up a lot of new opportunities for you, right? Because that, that really launched you into even some opportunities in business and outside the church world and executive coaching and so forth, right? I would say that, that that story, the documentary has certainly opened up many, many doors for me in many different arenas. You know, since then, one of the things I realized is that I was a better communicator than I was a basketball player. Okay. And that's what Phoenix really helped me do. I thought that when I graduated college, but I didn't know that until I actually tried out for an NBA team, which is why I had never pursued the pros in the first place. So over the past few years, man, just trying to do a great job with 
whatever speaking opportunity I've been given, whether it was sharing this story or even just something from the gospel, man, I just try to do a good job. I don't always do it, but I try to. And when I do that, man, there's so many business leaders that have heard me speak on some level or another, you know, have asked me to come and speak in their organization. And some of those have been professional sports teams that have said, hey, we, we love your story. Heard you speak at a church. And, you know, would you come do X, Y, and Z at our organization? And, and I've just been able to build some some really fun relationships that have you know, allowed me to, to have a, a, a fun business and a fun ministry. That's very cool. You know, talking about this idea of chasing failure, today is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And, yeah. you know, really it's kind of fitting to have you on the podcast today because Martin Luther King could be considered an ultimate risk taker in his day as well. Sure. And obviously the impact of his life and legacy on today is huge. I would love to hear from you, Ryan, the impact and legacy of Martin Luther King, his life and leadership that's had on you as a black American man, husband, mm. father, leader. Today, you know, as we mark this incredible man, what does this day mean to you? And what does his life mean to you? Whew. It's a simple question. But for me, in this time, it's a it's a loaded answer. I'm reading Martin Luther King Jr.'s book, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community. Hmm. And it's very profound to think about the things that he wrote over five decades ago and how there are some things that have certainly changed and certain some things that have certainly not. And it's interesting thinking about some of his ideals and how they would survive Twitter today or not survive Twitter today. Yeah, you know, wow. I heard someone say this a year or two ago. I forget exactly who it was, but they said, we only honor prophets when they die. But when they're alive, they're they're not here to offend us. And so you just you you think about the amount of people that we honor in hell. Well, they're dead. You just think about what his life, ideals, legacy, man, I, I mean, there's no question that that I wouldn't be in the position I'm in if it had not been for the relationships and challenges and speeches and imprisonments and ideals yeah. that we see embodied in the life of Martin Luther King Jr. It's an interesting day for uh, I believe you know us as as Americans and you know me as a, as a black man. It, you know it's, it's something I probably think about every day. Yeah. Well, it's obviously that in, in today's culture that Dr. King's dream hasn't been fulfilled, mm -hmm. right? And um, the past several months have definitely shown that we have a long way to go. I'm interested, any thoughts around where you see opportunities in forward progress and actually seeing Martin Luther King's dream fulfilled? Yeah, I think in our nation sounds politically correct, but the reality is you live in Florida and I live in Texas, and that's about as far as we can control. Yeah. Exactly. Like our, our sphere, you know, I, I tend to reject the our country dot, dot, dot statement. And, and the reason for that is it's often what we see in the news is an event that happens that is indicative of a problem. But I don't know that that's always a representation of everybody. So as an African-American, if I see a black man on the news do something, that's not indicative of all black people. 
Right. And black people go, well, that's not all of us. That's a guy. He did that. And yeah. yes, there might be 20 guys that did that or a hundred, but it still doesn't make it all. I remember when Charlottesville, when the incident in Charlottesville happened, which was absolutely horrible. Yeah. You know, people said, ah, I can't believe our country. I said, huh? You've never even heard of Charlottesville before. And, and today it's our country. In Martin Luther King's book, he said, despair can turn into bitterness. And what is certain of bitterness is its blindness. It loses the ability to create a delineation between some and all. And I just think that that is something that we have to be aware of in terms of going, wait a minute, some cops, sure. All cops, no way. Right. Some black people, sure. All black people, no way. Yeah. Some white people, sure. All white people, no way. Some politicians, of course, all politicians, it's absurd. Right. Language is everything when it comes to reconciliation. And so if the only language we've been given is all polarizing, you know, is it the idea of who shouts the loudest will win? Yeah. When has that ever worked? So I, I think one of the things that we have to do to specifically answer your question, I think we have to be dedicated to action not dedicated to post. I can't tell you how many people feel pressure to post and feel like posting breeds change. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people I know who post feel good and go golfing. I post it. You're like, okay. Yeah. And so I think we've got to be committed to tangible solutions and being able to sit with people that are different than us one of the rules of thumb that I try to live my life by and I try to teach is the idea that if you find yourself sitting across from somebody who votes differently than you, believes differently than you, sees the world differently than you, you should take notes, not try to change their mind. Yeah, so good. And be a learner. Don't let them change your mind. But again, you, you want to be able to have as broad of a perspective as you possibly can to understand why somebody is the way that they are. I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said, well done is greater than well said. Mm -hmm. And the fact that through so social media and tweeting. People have this tendency to just throw stuff out there, but it's really the way we live it out, the action that we live. I was thinking as you're talking about where we live in the world and our sphere of influence, one of the things we teach in leadership is just the circle of influence and leadership all starts with self-leadership. And I think it mm -hmm. really goes even to this issue of racial reconciliation and how we live among our community is it really starts with how we lead ourselves, living a life that is going to be reconciled that's going to lean towards unity. You know, we can't just say we're going to do it. We, we actually have to take action steps to do it, which is so, so powerful. You know, one of my favorite magazines to pick up each year is the Time 100, most influential people in the world. When you look at that list and you look at those people, it's so funny. Most of them I've never heard of. Yeah. And most of them I don't see on Twitter. Some, but, but most they're doing stuff. They've put their feet to the pavement to make a difference in the world. And that that's that's what I'm challenged to do more than ever. They're not just influencer by title or by no. number of followers. They're actually influencing change by the action of their lives. Absolutely. Which is powerful.
You are also a podcaster and obviously an author. Can you tell us a little bit about your two podcasts and any new projects that you're working on right now? Yeah. So I've got two podcasts. One's called Lifecast with Ryan Leak. That one's on YouTube and on all other mediums where you can find podcasts. And the second podcast is more of a marketplace podcast. It's called Followership. It's the other side of leadership. There's so many resources dedicated to helping leaders and not that many resources dedicated to helping followers Mm. follow their leaders. And so in a lot of my consulting and executive coaching over the years, I kind of saw this gap in the marketplace where followers were going, dude, I don't know that vision isn't all that clear. Okay. So what do you do with muddy vision? Like you still got something to do. Everyone always has an opinion about what the leader should do. Yeah. But followers actually have a great deal of influence by how they show up at work. And so that podcast is dedicated to helping followers become better followers. And following is so humble that most people don't want to admit that they're doing it because leadership is sexier and sounds cooler. But you as a leader, what do you love the most? Great followers. Yeah. All leaders do, but there's not a whole lot of resources helping people become that. So that that's what that resource is for. And in June, I've got a book, Chasing Failure, that's coming out. It's not just the story of the Phoenix Suns. It's a lot of what I've learned over the last five years about failure, taking risks, putting yourself out there. And it is one of the scariest books I've ever written because it's probably going to be the most vulnerable book I ever write. Okay, I give behind the scenes of speaking is behind the scenes of writing, podcasting, coaching. So many times when people thought I was succeeding, I was failing the whole time. They had no idea. We'll have to have you back on and talk about that then. And I would love to. So to wrap up our conversation today, one of the things we love to do here on the Live Last podcast is have a little time with our guests to ask some random questions. Are you cool with that? Go for it. Okay, so we're going to call this segment This or That. These have nothing to do with anything we talked about. It's just an opportunity for us to get to know you a little bit more. Okay, so here we go. I know you're a reader. So when it comes to books, audio, digital, or paper? Audio all day long. Audio all day long. Okay. Are you a person driven by purpose or passion? Very interesting question. (laughs) I actually write about it in my book. Okay. In my 20s, passion. Okay. In my 30s, purpose. Okay, great. We'll read about that in your new book coming out. Yeah. Would you consider yourself a trailblazer or trendsetter? Ooh, I would probably say trailblazer. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'd probably say trailblazer. And I I don't know. I don't know if I'm a trendsetter. I don't know if people are doing things that I've done. Every day I wake up, I feel like I've got a shovel in my hand. Like I'm blazing a trail. That's good. For someone to come behind me. I don't know if they're there though. As a side note, did you email the trailblazers the tryout? I did not. No, okay. I should have. I could now. Uh, yeah, you could. Popeyes or KFC? Man, you know what? That's probably the best question you've asked all day long. (laughs) And the reason why is I'm a long time Popeye's guy. Okay. But for some odd reason, the other day, my wife craved like a biscuit from KFC. Yeah. And I hadn't had KFC in probably like four or five years. And now I'm like obsessed. Like once a week, I have to get (laughs) KFC. You want to know what? And I, I hope. A Popeye's executive is listening right now. 
Honestly, it's the service, man. The yeah. lines are always, I, I will say this. I have tried to get Popeye's two times in the last month. And the line was so long. They had handwritten signs on the door. And it just took forever. And it's just like, dude, I'm not going to sit here. Like, the food isn't that good, you know? So today... <laughs> I'm going to go KFC. Well, I, I actually hope the CEO of Popeye's is actually listening to this podcast. That would make yes. Lisa and I's day. Okay, last one. Another food question for you. Fruity Pebbles or Captain Crunch? Fruity Pebbles. Yes. Yeah, no here, question man. about it. I, yeah, I'm not a Captain Crunch guy at all. Ryan, if listeners want to learn more about you, where would you send them online? RyanLeak.com. And I'm on all social platforms. So whichever one they prefer. Awesome. I'm going to put all that in the show notes. Well, I look forward to continued friendship with you and watching Absolutely. your leadership journey. Excited about your book coming out. And Thank hope, you. To, hope to have you back on the podcast again, maybe here in a few months to talk about your new book. Sounds good. We'd love to do that. Wow, that was some good stuff. I am still kind of blown away that he pulled off the proposal and a wedding in the same day without Amanda knowing. Not sure you could have done that, James. Not sure at all. No, I'm not sure I would have even wanted to try because I don't think I could have fooled you. But that's why Ryan is the ultimate risk taker and I'm not. Correct. You know, you think you pulled off a surprise proposal to me. To this day, you think you surprised me and I knew it was happening. So I'm confident you could not have pulled off a wedding. You're just going to drop that on me right now? Right now. So we'll stay tuned, friends, and listen later. Anyway, that is true. He is a risk taker. Next week, we have a really interesting guest. Rachel Travis has won over $400,000 by entering different sweepstakes. It's amazing. Yes, she has taken what was a hobby and now teaches others the secrets on how she did it. So you're going to want to join us next week back here. And this is not the sweepstakes I remember when I was a kid. It's I not mean, clearing house, is it? No, it is. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. So you can follow us on Instagram. Instagram and our Facebook at Live Lead Last Podcast. We'd love for you to leave us comments or DM us. We'd love to hear from you, any comments you have about the show. And remember, you can text the word LIVE to the number 22454 to have new episodes, show notes, bonus content, and exclusive offers delivered directly to your inbox. And don't forget this week to lead your life and leverage your influence in a way that leaves the legacy you want tomorrow. Until next week, bye-bye.